This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. Deep lying, no good, rotten, four flushing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat ass, bug eyed, stiff legged, spotty lip, worm headed sack of monkey shit he is. Of course, that was Chevy Chase in a clip from the classic National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. But I'll tell you what, that may as well have been the average Buffalo Bills fan last Thursday night when Brandon Bean and that team moved up to draft Josh Allen. Not pretty. Not a pretty reaction. Not pretty at all, at least initially. Yikes. Sup, podcast people. Welcome to the Analytics Podcast. Today is Monday, April 30th. I am, of course, Patrick Moran. Ladies and gentlemen, what a polarizing NFL draft that was on so many levels. I had WGR 550 in Buffalo's Nate Gary on the podcast last Thursday. He helped me do my mock draft. And I liked having him on so much that I stole his ass back today. Nate and I are fully recapping the NFL draft in the fascinating three days and nights that it was. We're running down the Buffalo Bills draft, of course, and we're giving our thoughts to all their picks and how the roster is shaping up. And we also spent some time running down other teams around the league and giving our takes on how they did as well. After that, I have Tone Pucks for our weekly Pat with Pucks chat. We go inside the Josh Allen decision all the fan drama, all the Josh Rosen drama. We examine what, if any role, Terry Bagula played in the pick. We give our feelings on the Buffalo Bills roster now as it stands with the draft being over, all that, and much more. I'll get to those two interviews in just a quick minute. Before that, though, I want to give a quick shout-out and a huge congrats to UB defensive end Damone Harris, signing with the Tampa Bay Bucks, He didn't end up being drafted, which by the way, at some point that becomes a good thing. He fielded several calls immediately after and decided to sign with Tampa. For those who don't know, I've known Damone since he just started out in high school. He's best friends with my nephew, Jordan, and they played football and basketball together back at Bishop Time in High School in South Buffalo. Spent a lot of time around Damone through the years. And I'm telling you, and this is the truth, you won't find a nicer, harder working, more deserving young man of all that's coming his way now. I'm so happy for him. The fact that he signed with Tampa 
for me, selfishly, that's just like icing on the cake. It really is. Damone's not only a friend of the family to me, but my wife also loves him to pieces. And Damone is awesome to my 15-year-old son, Shane. He loves Damone and he wants to follow in his footsteps now. Why wouldn't he? (laughs) The wife said already, once he settled in in Tampa, we'll be taking that short ride up there every week and making sure he's got plenty of good home cooking. (laughs) Seriously, though. What a thrilling and proud day it was for me personally on Saturday. My nephew, I mentioned before, Jordan Williams, he's carving himself his own football path right now. He's in the Arena League playing for the Albany Empire. I got to watch that game on my laptop, which was fun. And then just a few hours after that, I got the message from Damone that he's signing with Tampa, knowing my ass is just down the Gulf Coast a little bit. So between those two boys... That's a hell of a cool day for yours truly here. Buffalo, Bishop Timon, represent, man. You those, those boys are doing so proud by you right now. They really are. Anyway, enough about me. Let's get right into my Buffalo Bills and NFL Draft Recap with Nate Gary from WGR 550, followed by Pat Whipucks. <laughs> For a second straight episode, I'm joined by Nate Gary from WGR 550. Been very busy throughout this process covering the draft on WGR. How you doing, Nate? I'm doing well. I'm uh, I'm glad it's over. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. How many hours did you end up spending on the air throughout this, especially during the draft Uh, itself? About 15 hours over the last three days, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and uh, obviously Saturday being the the longest. How are the... uh, in general, how were the calls? I, I'm God. They had to be. Uh, I would call them polarizing. If I'm being generous here, based on you know what they did, especially in the first round and just the general reaction. You know, I would actually. I, I'd say I was pleasantly surprised, um, based on you know the idea that a lot of people were going to be nervous about uh, Josh Allen, but more so, even more just so angry. Um, but no, I, I mean, I think most people that you know were basically calling and critical of the move were at least open-minded they weren't uh, you know scorched earth so to speak so it wasn't too bad you know I, I actually expected it to be a little bit worse but uh considering uh the the situation and trading up twice in the first round it was uh it went well over pretty well well we're going to talk buffalo bills here and what they did in the draft and i also want to talk about the nfl as a whole for a little bit with you as well while i got you on before yeah. that though just as the draft was starting that was some like nuclear level heat for roger goodell at the beginning I thought that was awesome. They had the fans hate this guy. God, did they ever let him know that? He, I feel like he thrives on it though. Like he, he loves that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's like every time he makes a public appearance, you just wonder how bad it, it, it's going to get. It, it, it was, it was pretty noticeable though at the draft for sure. I mean, he brought legends out. He brought Cowboys out. That didn't even help. Not until he put someone on the clock. And even when he was going to announce a pick, they boo right up until he said whoever's name. It's just crazy, and I agree with you. I think he's at a point now where if you can't beat it, join it. Like a wrestler, he's not a that. I mean, how many millions of dollars does he make? He's making more than half the than half the players in the league, so he's he's getting the last laugh. Yeah, that does soften the blow. Let's talk Buffalo Bills first because I mean that's where it's at here. They trade up to seven. Many thought it might come a little earlier than that, but you know that's right around the spot, give or take a couple slots that most people thought would happen, and they took the guy that. 
we've been hearing about for a long time now. Many guys have said Josh Allen. So they end up taking Josh Allen. From a football perspective, let's take the emotion out of it. You know, the the reaction, the, the tweets that came out the night before the draft and all that other stuff. From a football perspective only, what did you think of this move? So, I mean, for, listen, you know, a lot of people are, are upset that they, they gave up two second round picks to move up to go get them. Basically looking at what the Cardinals gave up, I think that's where people, um, you know, maybe the frustration comes from or the worry that they might have given up too much considering that, you know, the Cardinals gave up significantly less, the second round pick and a, uh, and a third, I think, or a second and a fifth or something like that. Like they, they didn't use nearly as many assets to, or, or as valuable of an assets to move up to get their quarterback at 10. But, you know, I, I think obviously the Bills get the quarterback with the highest ceiling in the draft. And then you add in the fact that he just sort of seems, and I know it's cliche and you've heard it from every person in the media, but that he seems a lot like a Buffalo guy that, that he's going to fit in well here from a football perspective. Um, you know, you, you get a coach in Brian Dable who, you know, was last year is, it was very, um, you know, open to changing his offense from quarterback to quarterback and no better example than the national championship game, you know, where Jalen Hurts just is, is ineffective in the first half. They switched their backup quarterback and they switched to a completely different um, passing offense. So, you know, that, that versatility, I think is going to really play into Josh Allen's hands um, early. I also think that there's a really good possibility and Brandon Bean uh, talked about it. I think uh, this morning I saw it on Bleacher Report. It t- popped up my phone that, um, they're open to Josh Allen winning the quarterback competition coming out of training camp. And, and I was talking last night to a couple of buddies at a wedding and, you know, they're like, Oh, he's got to be sitting for what, at least two years. Right. And I said, you know, I, I think what's going to end up happening, it's not going to be the bill's fault, but they're going to go into training camp and or they're going to go into OTAs and they're going to watch AJ McCarron. And then they're going to watch Josh Allen make plays that AJ McCarron simply can't make. And, and that's really going to be the difference that I think you might ultimately see Josh Allen this year earlier than I think a lot of people expected. Sure. When he's in t-shirts and a short in shorts, he's going to wow you. The arm that's strength, right. the way he moves around, his size, everything about him in training camp and uh, mini camps and stuff like that is definitely going to wow you. From a, from a trade perspective, this is the one area where I, I could agree with fans being frustrated in that this. Buffalo ended up giving 12, 53, and 56 to move up to seven. And we're going to talk about that too in a minute. While Arizona, who picked three spots afterwards, they only ended up giving up 15, 79, which is a third, and 152, a fifth. That's a significant difference in draft compensation. But Brandon Bean must have liked Josh Allen far more than he liked Josh Rosen to pay that price. But before we talk about that, if you remember, I had you on last Thursday. And I did my mock draft and I had you there for guidance and, you know, your analysis of everything. If you remember, I had Buffalo going to five and I had the Bills giving up a 2019 first. If I'm stunned about one thing with this draft is that Buffalo did not give up a single pick in 2019, which to me is absolutely huge. Yeah, that's a that's a big win. There, there's really no doubt about that. Like, not only that, but keeping both first round picks and people want to uh, complain that ah they didn't have a second round pick and they didn't pick again until '96. But you got two, in my opinion, um, you know, top twelve talents in the draft this year. One and it really in both positions of of tremendous need. So, like when you look at it from that perspective, you feel really good because you know they basically had a normal draft. You know, like they basically used the assets 
that they got from Marcel Darius trade, from the Sammy Watkins trade, from, you know, all these moves that they've made, they used those assets to move up and they basically had a normal trade. It, it would be like if they traded the second round to move back into the first and go get a guy that they felt really, really good about. So, you know, what they gave up compared to what they got, I, I feel fine with. And, and I'm, I'm, kind of open to it and I'm ready to kind of see how it plays out in training camp and everything. But I really like the Tremaine Edmonds pick a lot. Sure. And we're going to talk about him in a minute. Benjamin Albright was on the show recently and he reiterated that the bills were aggressively pursuing a a trade for Josh Allen. Turns out that was dead on. It was true. And here's the thing. We don't know if the bills dropped down to 10, if Arizona would have given up more compensation and moved to seven because he said that the Arizona was in on Josh Allen last year. If he would have been in the draft, they would have used a first round pick on him last year. So before fans get too bent out of shape that Arizona gave up so much less than Buffalo did, you got to think that maybe Arizona was also in at seven with Tampa Bay. And if the bills tried to wait to 10 to, to get Josh Allen might not have been there. Arizona might've came up with more and they might've gotten their guy. Let me ask you one more thing before we move on from the quarterback. If Nate Gary was in the war room and you were in charge, would you have drafted Josh Allen or do you think you would have went Josh Rosen? That's a good question. I I think, um, you know, based on who I really liked throughout this whole thing, I, I do really think Josh Rosen was the best quarterback in the draft. So when I say that, it, it was tough for me to sort of watch them go with Allen. But what I know about Allen is, is he clearly has the higher ceiling of the two. If you're looking at Rosen and you're looking at, um, Allen, you know, Allen clearly has the better tools. There's, there's no doubt about that, but you're talking about a guy who'd be ready to step in this year. I mean, that's Josh Rosen. I don't know if that's Allen. So I, I guess you have to sort of be in the mind that this was a 12 year plan opposed to a two year plan. Um, I, I think if it, if they were, I'll tell you this, if the bills really felt the pressure, if, if Brandon Bean was going on his third draft and they are two years without the playoffs and, and there's a lot of pressure to win this year, then I think it's probably Josh Rosen. But I think the the Allen pick says more about the security of the front office and, and Sean McDermott than it does maybe um, of, of the player they picked. You know what I mean, if, if that makes sense? Sure, makes a lot of sense. I really wanted Darnold, and we talked about this last week. There were rumblings that it might be Baker Mayfield, or we even heard Mel Kuyper had Josh Allen going number one in Cleveland all the way into the end, 24 hours before the draft. Were you stunned at the end of the day when Cleveland did take Baker first? And from a Buffalo Bills perspective, did you get some hope that when that happened, that the Bills would be all in on the Giants? Which, by the way, Kettleman, he stuck to his guns. He, he said he wasn't going to trade did. down. He was going to take the player he wanted. It was Barkley, clearly Barkley. And despite people saying you don't take a running back too, it seems like he didn't hesitate. I can't imagine that the Bills didn't at least make some attempt to get to two for that pick. But are you surprised? So, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But are you surprised oh, yeah, no. about Darnold not going one? Um, yes, just because it was sort of what everyone assumed this whole process. And then literally the week of the draft rumbling started about, well, it's really between Allen and Mayfield. I, I, I think at the end of the day, Scott, Scott McLuhan won out in that, in that uh, front office and he's a consultant. So I find it interesting. And, and a lot of people either really like Scott McLuhan and he's the former general manager of Washington and the, the guy that, um, you know, that sort of built that roster and, and built the 
completely built their draft board last year and was fired right before the draft. And, and, and he was brought on as a consultant. And from the start, you knew that, you know, McLuhan's guy was Baker Mayfield. But I was really shocked they took him. And I, I from what I've heard, the, the Giants didn't take a call for number two. They basically, after Baker went one, they wrote down Saquon Barkley and walked up to the podium. They, they had zero interest of, in letting him fall to another team or, um, you know, so that, that was interesting. I think even more so, you know, obviously the Bills had, um, had a trade in place with Denver that fell apart because Bradley Chubb fell to five. So, you know, when, when you look at the top, I'm definitely surprised that, that Cleveland took, took Baker Mayfield. I, I just think when you're talking about two guys, Sam Darnold's 20 years old. Like we talked about this, I think in the last podcast, it was just like, he's 20 years old. His ceiling is, is pretty high. Him and Allen's ceiling are probably the two highest. And you're talking about where's Darnold going to be in three years compared to where, you know, Baker Mayfield's going to be in three years. And, and I think that's why the Jets had to just be gleaming. I'm glad you brought up Denver because let's circle back around one more time to Josh Allen. Adam Schefter reported that the Bills actually had a trade in place, an agreement with Denver where they were going to move into five. Now, you, you said you've taken a lot of calls. Fans weren't happy that they felt like they paid too much for that. Just imagine if, if things fell into yeah. place. Had Cleveland at four not taken Denzel Ward, they would have taken Chubb. That trade happens for the Buffalo. Buffalo goes up to five to get Josh Allen instead of seven. And then now they're giving up 22. So they don't have that ammunition, which ultimately led them to Tremaine Ed- Edmonds because they did that. So, man, if fans were kind of complaining a little bit right. about uh, moving up to seven. If it weren't for Denver taking Denzel Ward, this would be a whole different ball game right now because we wouldn't have had probably don't have Tremaine Edmonds either. There's no doubt about that. And I, I think too, when you look at Edmonds in this situation, there's no way they thought that he was going to be available. Like there's just no way. Absolutely and, and, not. and especially at sixteen, like so they get to sixteen and, and I, I think a lot of people have a tendency, and there's a lot of people that said maybe they were too aggressive to trade up twice in the first rounds a lot because they had some of these assets and they gave them up. And I look at it like this. Like, would you, if you're Brandon Bean, would you rather have three guys um, at, at what, at 53, 56, and, and, and 65, or have one guy in Tremaine Edmonds that's a top 12 pick in this draft, and maybe maybe some argued is, was the best linebacker, or the best ceiling for a linebacker in the draft, because he's 19, 6 foot 5, 250, and runs a 4.48. So, like, you look at that and you're, you say, well, are, are any of those second or third round picks going to likely have the ceiling or, or potentially be as good as Tremaine Edmonds. And I say, I give me the top end talent all day and you can always build through the middle rounds. You know, you can always trade back. You could find those middle round picks. Those, those are the ones where, you know, obviously general managers get their, get their money because they have to un- unearth some people, but you go up to the top of the draft. This could be this draft for the bills could end up being like the Ravens draft when they, you know, drafted Ogden and Ray Lewis. Like it, it could be like, I'm not saying it's going to be, but right. That could, that's how much that first round could potentially change the future of the Bills. I would have bet my life he was not getting past Miami at 11. Worst case, every big board I looked at, this guy was in the top 10 and 12 at the worst. I saw Matt Miller had him fourth on his board overall. So I'm, the Bills had to be stunned to see him sitting there at 16. You know, you can argue about Josh Allen one way or the other because some people like Rosen. Some people like Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Hell, some people even like Mason Rudolph more than Josh mm-hmm. Allen. So we could sit there and argue about that all day. But, man, who doesn't like Tremaine Edmonds? I mean, this guy from right. day one, he could come in there and he's going to have some growing to do, you know, mentally and physically. But he's going to be a stud. I really liked Leighton Vanderesh. That's the guy I was really hoping that the Bills were going to make some kind of move to get back up from 22. 
than it might have been for him. But again, I did that with the expectation that there's Edmonds no way. Yeah, yeah, there's no way that I thought Edmonds was going to be there at 16, man. That's crazy. And a lot like Darnold, too, you wonder about this is like the second youngest guy to ever be drafted in um, in Edmonds. And you look at it from the point of I'm more excited about where Edmonds might be in three years than just, you know, his rookie season. Because in his rookie season, he's not going to be asked to do a lot. He's likely just going to be asked to play Mike Linebacker, call the defenses, you know, and and, and sort of play sideline to sideline in McDermott's zone defense. And you've you seen last year, Preston Brown had a number of, you know, tipped passes that that led to interceptions by you know, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Well, if, if, if there's two players that are more excited to have Tremaine Edmonds than those two safeties with that six, five and a half that can get his hands up in passing lanes, like you, you have to be thinking they're just salivating about that. And I just think by the time he's in year three, that not only is he playing Mike, but on third downs, he's in rushing situations where he's got a hand in the ground, like he can do everything. And that's maybe the, the most exciting part. Yeah. This draft was made and it's very obvious. 2018, while important, this draft isn't about 2018. They did not right. approach this draft like, all right, we're one or two players away from being in the Super Bowl this year. We need guys that are going to be superstars from day one. Because two first-round picks, you're like, all right, well, two day one starters. I, Edmonds will be a day one starter. I don't think Allen yeah, will I agree. Be. Although you never know. But you're right. Edmonds is going to grow into that role over a couple of years. But, man, I said it a few times on this podcast. I think getting the quarterback talk out of here. The, the defense was a very high priority. It just wasn't talked about because all the talk mm -hmm. was about Allen and Rosen and, and all these other guys. Buffalo made no effort to resign Preston Brown and they didn't right. show any real interest in any impact free agent linebackers either this spring. So it might not have been Tremaine Edmonds, but I think coming into this draft, it was a clear priority that if we do two things, we're going to get a quarterback and we're going to get a middle linebacker really early. And you sort of, there you can use Carolina as a pretty good, um, I don't want to say building block, but like template on, on how they're trying to build a team. And, you know, they get Keekly and things changed once they got there. What they, cause I think it was the next year after they drafted Cam Newton. Cam Newton comes out and he's really raw and is he ready to be an NFL quarterback? And then his first game throws 500 yards against Arizona and everyone's like, holy cow. Right. And then they're not really that good. They've got a top 10 pick. Then they get Luke Keekly and the next year they're off and running. So the, the timeline for the Bills is a little different than that, but, like you, you see what he had to work with in Cam Newton did his rookie in, in second year at wide receiver. The Bills clearly said because there were wide receivers that were available, and they took corner, they took defense, and they took a line instead. And, and I thought that was interesting because you look back, I mean, how many great weapons? I mean, they had Steve Smith at the end of his career um, before he ends up moving on, and they really just kind of let him go. And then other than that, like. They they brought in Funches last year, and they finally are putting some weapons around him and obviously draft Calvin Benjamin, but then trade him. So it's like, you know, I, I wonder how much they, they're worried about wide receiver considering they didn't really address it, but you're just seeing like the template, they, the same template from, from Carolina is almost being used here. Absolutely. Carolina clone. How much do you think Edmonds, I mean, I saw a stat, I think it was like the Bills were in a nickel like 60, 65% yeah. of the time last year. You're gonna, I mean, you've got two linebackers on the field a lot. Do you see Milano and Edmonds being those two guys? How do you feel about that? I feel really, really good about that. And then I'm thinking in three linebacker sets, you know, you're still going to have Lorenzo Alexander as your, um, you know, your Sam linebacker, your strong side linebacker in, in four, three and in, in under sets where he might be on the line of scrimmage. But you're right. I mean, they, they play a lot of nickel. So when you're talking about nickel and you've got Milano at week and you've got, you know, Edmonds at your Mike linebacker, you have incredible amounts of athleticism. 
Um, I don't, I, and, and I'll tell you what, Edmonds, maybe you're talking about a division that has Rob Gronkowski. You're talking about a league that really has, you know, the tight ends in this league are very difficult to cover. They, they present matchup nightmares and Edmonds is the kind of guy that can match up man to man on those, um, on those guys with, with good height. They're not, he's not a mismatch. So that's gotta be the, the exciting part of that. You know, like it's what he brings in terms of some of the best athletes in the league are six, five and 60. And you know what I'm saying? So he, he brings, him and Milano together, I'm I'm going to be really, really excited about. Yeah, me too. I love them. I love the Edmonds pick. I love it a lot. Let's talk third round. Bills draft Harrison Phillips, defensive tackle from Stanford. Your thoughts? Another another Bills guy, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, a wrestler, a state champion wrestler. Um, his You look at his scouting report, and the first thing you see is effort. So you're like, okay. I mean, you don't have to. I don't really need to know more about this guy because he's clearly – a Sean McDermott type of guy. And then you hear his press conference or his, or his conference call um, after he's drafted. And he says, you know, he, he only met with the bills once and it was at the senior bowl. And then that really tells you about how they felt about him because if they met him once at the senior bowl and then felt good enough to draft him, that's considering they brought in, you know, 30 plus players in pre-draft business. He wasn't one of them. I think you're also seeing too, other than the two first round picks, when you look later and all their other picks, they really value. And last year, they really value the guy that has experience that's been playing for three years, four years, um, seniors. So that's what you see with the Weber State pick and, and both fifth round picks. And so it, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I really like what they did uh, with, with Phillips. I think he fills a nice need. I didn't like the pick for about a half a second because in my mind, I'm stuck on, all right, let's get a guard attack. Give me a wide receiver. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So I hated the pick for about a half second. I heard Mike Mayock immediately say Kyle Williams Jr., I was like, okay. I was like, I'm yeah. good with that. It I'm, started, open. I'm it, open to that. Yeah. It started making sense to me immediately, even though, you know, he doesn't even play the, the position that Kyle does, but whatever. He can learn to, you know, to play both spots. It, it occurred to me and I looked it up. I'm like, you know what? This is a team that currently has Adolphus Washington, Ricky Hatley, and Tanny. I can't even pronounce the dude's last name. Maybe. Right. He, he, that, that kid they brought in from, from, uh, Los Angeles or San Diego, uh, I think he played, you know, he played for him when they were in both cities, but um, he's going to be a nice depth piece for them. I, and I, and I said this after the, after the pick is I think his, the drafting of Phillips really, I, I think maybe puts the writing on the wall for, for Adolphus Washington, a guy that they didn't draft this regime right. draft. And not only that, but has had some issues on the field, you know, look at last year, a couple of personal foul penalties that, that yes. really, really frustrated the coaching staff. Yep. So I think his roster spot's certainly in, in jeopardy. And, and they talked about it, and you just said too, he's maybe more of a one technique, but he can play both the one and three. And I think that versatility is going to make guys like Adolphus Washington who don't have that versatility uh, expendable. I think it's a good depth pick. That, that They've really invested a lot of resource, whether it's the draft you know, with him and, and then free agency on the line. The, the, they've remade that defensive line. Absolutely no about big it. time. It wasn't good enough last year. And we'll go to the fourth round because now we slept at, on the day two. So we wake up day three and I'm pretty sure you're in the same boat as me. I'm like, all right, well, you know, we got a good defensive tackle. We got a linebacker, got a quarterback of the future. Let's go get a freaking wide receiver early in the fourth round or not early, but in the fourth round, let's right. get a wide receiver or lineman at worst. So I heard the name Teron Johnson. And I'm like, come on, man. You got to be kidding me. Why are they taking corners? In fact, I tweeted about it right before it happened. I said, we all think wide receiver in line. That means the Bills are going to take a corner. They did. And I hated the pick at first because I wanted St. Brown from Notre Dame. We'll talk about him in a minute. Yeah. And then I looked up some stats at first and I saw pro football focus that he only won like 19% of his one-on-one battles at the senior bowl. 
Then I started looking up some uh, draft boards, you know, like Optimum Scouting. Only had him as a 302nd ranked player. Matt Miller, I got it in front of me here, had him as 27th best corner. I didn't like it at first. But then again, just like with Harrison Phillips, I just started reading more and I realized, you know what? This guy's a nickel guy. The, the Bills don't really have much at nickel. They liked right. that physical, like Leonard Johnson last year, he wasn't a perfect player by any means, but he was a tough, willing hitter and physical guy who played the nickel and he did it pretty well. So I'm like, they have Philip Gaines. Who knows how he's going to work out? So this isn't, if nothing else, to me at least, maybe you don't agree, but this was a turns out to be a useful pick. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I like the other kid too from Jacksonville State a lot, the, their next pick. They, to me, you talked about the the slot corner for Johnson and, and that's right, but both guys, um, both defensive backs that they drafted, guys that are like willing tacklers, that are tacklers first. And and we, you know, we were talking about this too, I think last week when we spoke is that slot corner position really is up for grabs. And obviously they didn't really, uh, they dressed Philip, uh, was it, it's, uh, who, who's the guy they got from Kansas City? Uh, Philip Gaines. Philip Gaines. Yep, Philip Gaines. Philip Gaines. So this guy, Taron Johnson, is going to absolutely give uh, Philip, and listen, I, I think they needed the depth um at, at corner they just didn't have a lot of guys on the roster at least guys that you feel like if someone goes down and we saw that last year when when ej Gaines went down you know there was a significant step back when you had Charisse wright and and, and, yep. and lafayette pitts you know mm-hmm. like they needed they needed a, a guy that they could turn to if uh you know a young guy too that that maybe and, and you're talking about taron johnson is one of the things that that was the knock on him and, and maybe why he was ranked so low was that he really was a better zone corner than he was. They didn't really project him to be a man corner. And we know that in this defense, they want guys who are good zone corners. That's why EJ Gaines played so well for them. And I don't think EJ Gaines is going to play as well in Cleveland than he did as he did Buffalo. And, you know, I think the natural tendency when people think of defensive players, when you hear the word nickelback, you think not a starter. But that's not right. really true, man. In, in today's NFL, you're in nickel so much. You're you're playing five DB so much that that nickel guy essentially is a starter. Not only that, but you're talking about wide receivers across the league. Think about some of the best wide receivers right now in the game. A lot of them do their damage from the slot because those are the matchups that they're looking for. But not only that, you look at the Edelmans and the you know these precise route runners. What makes them so good is giving giving them that space from the slot to you know, work the route tree around these guys. So it's important to have three, you know, good cornerbacks. And you're looking at teams like the Rams and some of these teams that are investing so much money into the corner position, you know, maybe the developmental wet route isn't, isn't a bad one for the bills. Now you mentioned Saran Neal. He, they, the bills take him in the fifth round, a defensive back out of Jacksonville state. I, I think he's going to be a safety, but he's played corner before too. I'm going to be, dude, I live in Florida. I didn't even know there was a Jacksonville state. I got to be completely honest with you, man. Now here's the thing. And this is why I didn't like to pick at first. Again, I guess I'm a knee jerk reactor and maybe that's my problem. I saw Tyler Crosby go off the board, literally one. Yes, I know one pick before him, one pick. And then I like Scott Quisenberry, a a center. He goes to San Diego one pick after. So he got crunched in between two linemen that I thought really could have helped this team. And again, not knowing much about the guy, admittedly, not knowing nothing about the guy, to be honest with you at all. Like I said, I didn't even know Jacksonville State was a, was a school down here. I didn't like to pick at first, but here's where I conclude when it comes to the Bills and DBs. If there's a position on this team where this regime deserves the benefit of the doubt, no matter yep. who they take, it's defensive back. I mean, they went out and they got Poyer and Hyde in free agency. Those guys were studs. 
They moved down. They got white at corner last year. One of the best two corners in the NFL is a rookie. So who am I to blast the Bills for taking a defensive back? This is one area on the team that, man, they know what they're doing for sure. I have full confidence in that. Yeah, and I think there's a good chance he makes the team based on he's going to play some special teams for them. But they needed they needed another safety. You know, they they signed Raphael Bush in the offseason, but he's really more of a special team player and isn't really going to give you that ability to to play if somebody goes down. And and I think um and, and I think the nice thing about him is that he'll give them an opportunity to develop someone like a Poyer, like a Hyde. So yeah, I, and obviously both of those guys are under 27 years old. The, the future is bright for the Bills' defensive backfield. There's no doubt about it. Moving to the sixth round, I'll, conversely, like I said, my knee-jerk reaction was I didn't like the two picks before that. I Immediately, I love Wyatt Teller from Virginia Tech. I actually do know a lot about him, a guard. He was 53 overall on the PFF big board. What do you think of him in the sixth round? To me, I see a guy potentially who could end up being a starter on this team. A starter, I think there's a chance he could plug and play this year. I think that sure. he will probably, and, and that'll, that'll be in tremendous value if you have a starting guard. Um, in the fifth round, his 2016 season from everything I saw was really what what put him on the map as potentially. And John Ledger of Inside the Pylon, he does a lot of um, does a lot of draft work. He basically said this guy last year was a top 40 pick, and then 2017 he took a step back. He wasn't as uh, he wasn't as nasty as as he was when he first made the transition from defensive line to offensive line. But this is a guy I think that comes in to a Juan Casillo um, offensive line. He's going to be well coached, you know that. So. I'm really excited. I think he can end up being one of the steals for the Bills in this draft. I said sixth round. That was a mistake. He's actually a fifth round fifth, pick. Yep. They're second, fifth round. Yep. I think Wyatt Teller is going to end up being the second best rookie on the team this year. I Agreed. really do. Not not necessarily long-term, but for 2018. I and You said it perfect. I think he could compete and start potentially right away. Groy doesn't blow me away at left guard. And they, the, this staff sure as shit doesn't love John Miller. I'm not a Bodine, Bodine fan, the guy at the center they signed from Cincy. Yes. I, I, maybe Groy takes I over at there. center there. Who knows? But I could easily see this guy, maybe not week one, but I could easily see this guy becoming a starter, like you said, sooner than later for sure. And and quite honestly, the the sixth and seventh round pick, uh, Ray Ray McLeod and, and Austin Prohl, um, two guys that maybe those fans when they were looking at receiver weren't really thinking about oh, no. uh, but I in Ray Ray McLeod's an interesting one because sure hands he went a full season without a dropped pass and he's not really going to be your X your traditional Z you know like he's not going to just line up at wide receiver this is a guy that can run some jet sweep um, which I think you're going to see a little bit in the undrafted free agent out of Alabama um, and his name is escaping me but he was a former five-star recruit, runs a four-four flat at the combine, goes undrafted because he just didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of production at Alabama. But they added some interesting wide receivers, not only in, in after the draft was over as undrafted for agents, but sixth and seventh round guys that I think will will. I, I really like Austin Pro a lot. I liked him when he was at North Carolina. Him and Ryan Switzer were were assassins together uh, in North Carolina. So I really like the Pro pickup towards the end there. But we'll see. I mean, I think they still could use some top end talent. They, I think Ray Ray McLeod and, and the kid from, and I can't remember his name, and it's bothering me. The kid from Alabama, they, they signed on later on, are, are both going to be guys that that could, that could force themselves on a roster spot because of the the need for a speed guy. I was a little surprised about Ray Ray McLeod. If you would have told me the Bills are going to take a, a wide receiver in this spot, I was thinking Deion Kane. He went right, two and picks, he goes two picks before, two picks, just like Crosby. Yeah, he goes two yeah. picks in, yeah, just like Crosby, right before. I didn't know much about him, but I'll tell you this. 
down here in Florida. He's from the Tampa area, and I saw him on the local news. Kid was a legend here in high school as a running back. I mean, he did it all. He played running back, receiver, defensive back, ran for like over 6,000 yards. He was recruited by Alabama, Auburn, Florida State, ultimately ended up going to uh, Clemson. I don't know a lot about him, but down here, he's a pretty big name, so I'm excited to see what he could do about that. And, and as far as Pearl, honestly, I don't know much about him. I know his father was Ricky Prohl, and I remember having his football guard growing up. That's right. Short, short-handed Ricky Prohl, yeah. Uh, you'll, I, I think uh, he'll be a nice addition. He just reminds me of another McDermott guy, you know, like a hardworking. Um, he'll, he'll be an interesting one. I, I, I like him. I, I, I thought that was a really good pickup for them in the seventh round. And, and I know you mentioned Equinemius St. Brown, and, and, and I saw your tweets about him oh. in the draft, too, and his fall was was rather surprising. Yes. I mean, for me, it was really surprising. I pictured him um, as maybe as early as like a, a, a second or third, late third round pick. And it turns out he drops all the way to one of the last picks in the sixth round. But man, did he go to an incredible situation in Green Bay where sure. he's going to be playing with one of the best quarterbacks in the league and, and maybe on a team that's really looking for some supplemental wide receivers, you know, some help at the wide receiver position, considering they lost Jordy Nelson. I quite honestly, I mean, Jordy Nelson was a huge steal when, when he went there, I think he was a third round pick for them. If they could get something out of, out of St. Brown as on an outside, because they need an outside threat and he's got the body for it. That's for sure. I woke up Saturday morning and literally I got out of bed. That was the first thing I thought of. I'm like, all right, we're in round four. The bills don't have a wide receiver yet. This is a guy. And I was in very close attention. I'm like, don't take this. Don't take him. Don't take him. Get into the bills at 21. I was like, yes. Nope. Then two times in the fifth. Nope. I know. When they passed over him twice. Ugh. It was tough to take. Mel, Mel, Mel Kuyper don't care because Mel Kuyper gave the Bills the best draft grade of anyone. What, well, of what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I, eh, that's risky. To, uh, listen, I've learned one thing going back from a long time ago. I'll never, you'll never hear me give a draft grade. And I'll tell you why. In 2006, I was had a blog like on Fox Sports and... I love the Buffalo Bills draft so much. I gave it an A+. That's the year they drafted Dante Whitner. I can tell yeah. you the names. I'm not, and trust me, I'm not looking at no sheet here because I have it in my memory. Dante Whitner and John McCargo, they got in the first yep. round. They took Ashton Ubodi in the third, Cole Simpson in the fourth. They got Kyle Cole Williams. Cole Simpson. Yes, Cole Simpson in the wow. fourth. Kyle Williams, who turned out to be a stud in the fifth. I said, oh my God, this defense is going to be the best in the NFL. They got pretty much a new secondary uh, an amazing, two amazing tackles with a cargo, and then Williams would be the right. afterthought. I gave them an A plus, and I gloated about that draft for months. Put my foot in my mouth. I said, I ain't never doing that shit ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the best part about it too is, I, I Mel Kuyper wasn't the only one that loved the Bills draft. There were some other people. Listen, the people that didn't think Josh Allen was good, they didn't give the Bills a good grade. Anybody that thought that, that Josh Allen was the number one quarterback, like Phil Sims raved about the Bills draft. And, and I guess what's the difference between got people that, that said it was an F because I've seen people who were like, the Bills had the worst draft out of anybody because they traded up for Josh Allen. And it's just like, well, you know, it's because you don't like Josh Allen. It doesn't mean that they had the worst draft in the, you know, in the league. And quite honestly, I think the Saints had the worst draft in the league. They're in a, they're in the midst of a, oh. of a Super Bowl window and they trade a future first round pick for a developmental defensive lineman that, likely would have been around i mean maybe not but like you can't tell me that davenport is somehow miles ahead of a guy like you know 
uh, like Landry or uh, that's his name. Yeah, Landry. I think yeah, the Landry. kid from Boston College. Yep. Like I, that was that was surprising me. Like I'm thinking, okay, wow, they just moved up for for Lamar Jackson. This will be exciting. They're getting the heir apparent to Drew Brees. Instead, they get a developmental defensive lineman. I don't know. That was that was shocking to me. But yeah, Chad Forbes had with the Bills as one of the only two A grades um, for the draft. So yeah, there's some people that really liked what the Bills did. Well, regardless of what you think their draft grade should be, one thing is for certain. Let's get rid of Mayfield and Darnold talk. The Bills were never getting them. They weren't getting the one and they weren't getting the two. So to compare Josh Allen to them for the next five, seven, eight years, whatever is unfair, it's going to be all about Josh Allen versus Josh Rosen. And let's throw Lamar Jackson in too, because we're going to hear the Bills could have stayed at 12 and they could have stayed at 22 and they could have even traded down and still got Lamar Jackson. So he needs to be in the conversation as well. I know people are going to say that, but generally this is really going to become kind of like a Flutie Johnson division. And I hope it doesn't yep. become a division, but you're talking Josh Allen versus Josh Rosen for the next several years for sure. Yep. Not only that, but I mean, he'll likely, you know, Allen's is, Allen's going to be compared to Josh Rosen, Patrick Mahomes and, and Deshaun Watson for the next, right. you know, sure. decade. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. That's for sure. They could have had both of them last year. They wouldn't have white, but you're right, man. You, there's just quarterbacks galore to compare them to. It's too early, so you know what? We're not going to talk about draft grades. Here's one thing I do know for sure. I would be shocked, astonished, that the Bills' defense isn't significantly better this year than it was last year just because of everything they've done during this offseason up front. They draft Tremaine Edmonds, we both think is a day-one starter. They right. got Star Latelier on the at defensive tackle. They go on, they sign Trent Murphy. They add depth with Johnson and Phillips in this draft. Clearly, this defense is what this team is all about. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, just the the potential, you know, is really what you could look at that draft and say that Brandon Bean drafted on is is high potential. So, you know, if if they met, if listen, I'll tell you what, if if it turns out that in one weekend the Bills got their franchise quarterback and, and the Sabers got their franchise defenseman in one weekend, <laughs> I think you're going to look back at this weekend as being the most successful and the most maybe maybe the turning point for Buffalo sports is kind of crazy to think about because you know you're you've been a buffalo sports fan you used to the disappointment for so long but you're looking at it what an exciting weekend for buffalo in general it was awesome and let's get off track with football for two seconds here <laughs> let's talk about that what were you up to uh we're taping this on sunday so what were you up to saturday night when the sabers won the lottery i got a pretty funny story what were you up to so i was uh, i just got home from a wedding i i left a little early so that I could to, to be home during the second intermission to watch it, especially after I got the text message that they would be in the top three. So when I was like, well, they're in the top three, I got to make sure I'm home. So I got home, my roommate came in, we we're like, all right, let's go downstairs to, we had a couple of buddies that lived downstairs in our building and like, we'll go watch the draft lottery there. And you know, when, when it turned out that they won, like we, we were going crazy. Like, and it's, it, it was really fun and you know what? And, and it was funny because I, I'm not, two hours beforehand, I tweeted about how bad the, the NHL botched the, the draft lottery, like making people wait two periods to yeah. like they, 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 they basically alienated 11 markets or 14 markets or whatever it was that didn't weren't in the top three. Why were they watching for the second intermission? But it was fun. Uh, I really enjoyed they The suspense was great. Dude, I, I was home. And my, my wife and my son, who are not, they're, well, let's call them casual hockey fans at best. But we found out the Sabres are going to be in the top three. They don't know who Dolan is. They have no clue. Right. But we were watching movies, okay? I want to go see Affinity Wars soon. However, I'm told 
I just recently got into Marvel, so I have not watched all the movies that I need to watch before right. I can I'm, watch I'm and right there it. with you. I haven't uh I haven't watched enough to be able to just go and watch it, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. So I'm watching I watched uh Doctor Strange and then I'm I gotta watch both Guardians of the Galaxy. That's what people tell me anyway. So I started hmm. watching that and I paused it because I'm on Twitter constantly on my phone, which is not, and essentially I'm not even paying attention to the stupid movie. So I'm right. on, and I, I see that's the end of the period. I turn it on. My wife and my son are about to go run to uh, Publix to get a couple things. I said, no, 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 no. You got to be my good luck here. Got to be my good luck. They're sitting there. And when the Sabres won, we were celebrating like they had won the cup or like the Bills. I know. Won, <laughs> like our reaction when the Bills beat Miami last year. And then, you know, when Cincinnati uh, beat Baltimore. It was the same type of reaction. It was an awesome feeling, even if it's just for one minute, even if this team stinks for another five years, just that moment itself was awesome. It was good for Buffalo sports. Like, and especially when you see like national media guys, just like saying, Hey, you know, just have the bills or the Sabres win this, the buff, the same, you know, the, the Buffalo sports market could use some good luck. And that was just, it, it was awesome. Like it was such a great moment to, to have with just friends, but just in general, like feeling like finally, you know, they were so bad for the last five years. They were in this position two times before and they didn't get it. And they watched other teams jump from, you know, 10, like they were about to watch Carolina. And I'm like, there's no way Carolina can win this. There's no way. And they got lucky. I'll tell you that. I'm, I'm, I couldn't be happier about it. Uh, I mean, listen, and you work in sports talk radio. You got to take phone calls. Can you imagine if the Bills had ended up going up to five to get Josh Allen and giving up their second round or their second first rounder and they don't come away with Tremaine Edmonds and Josh Allen is the only big ticket guy and then the Sabres end up finishing fourth? You know what I mean? They end up with the fourth pick. God, I would hate to be you. I I said, (laughs) can you imagine being Howard Simon or Jeremy White on Monday morning with those phone calls? Oh my God, it would have been the worst. So. If, God, if nothing else, you radio guys got a really good break with the way things played out this uh these last couple There's of days. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Before we get out of here, I want to talk about a couple other NFL teams real quick beyond sure. the Bills. I really like how Baltimore went about the draft. Hats off to Ozzie Newsom in his last draft. Maybe you disagree, but they moved down from Buffalo, which allowed the Bills to get Edmonds. They go to 22. They picked up 65 and 154 from Buffalo. Then they moved down again from 22 so Tennessee could get up. And they pick up more stuff. They end up taking Hayden Hurst, who we talked about on Thursday, the top tight end uh-huh. off the board. We both really liked him a lot. And then they move up 20 spots at 32 with the last pick of the first round with Philly. And they end up getting Lamar, jo- Lamar Jackson, a guy that many thought that Baltimore was going to take, including me. I thought Baltimore might take him with 16 to begin with. So when it's all said and done, they get Hayden, they get Jackson. They end up picking up picks. They got Orlando Brown later on. Mark Andrews, a tight end I really like. I really like what Baltimore did in this draft. Big fan. I'm I'm so far on Baltimore because obviously they they moved back out of position to take, in my opinion, you know, when they traded back with the Bills, um, they traded it away an opportunity to add another linebacker to their defense. And that's kind of where, you know, I you can put Edmonds in a lot of positions. You could say he's an outside linebacker, you could say he's a Mike. But, you know, they've got Terrell Suggs there right now, and, and he's really in the last leg of his career. And you look at offensively, um, they could use some offensive linemen. They could use a running back. So they just had a lot of needs. So they, it was good that they had traded back twice. But I didn't love the Hayden Hurst pick where they got him, um, only because, like I said, the, the linebacker thing was interesting. And, and Hayden Hurst just doesn't really give you any blocking. And then they go and get Andrews later on. So they drafted two tight ends. True. And then obviously Lamar Jackson's going to be the one. I mean, 
isn't it something though that even after they drafted Lamar Jackson, that they asked him if he was going to, the media asked him in, in, in Baltimore if he was going to play something other than quarterback while Joe yeah. Flacco was still there. And it's like, come on, the guy just got drafted as a quarterback and you're, you're asking him if he's that. But no, that would be the one I, I think that maybe, that maybe turns that, I, I don't know, I, Joe Flacco's, I, he's like the highest paid quarterback in the league this year. And he's, so, uh, he's the unhappiest quarterback in the league too right now. I can imagine, but I mean, they've put a lot of weapons around him. Sure. This is going to be a make or break year for Joe Flacco. There's no doubt about that. Another team I really liked was Green Bay. You mentioned them. I think they flat out fleeced New Orleans in that trade. They move back four spots. They get a number one next year. And then they end up taking a corner that we both like, Jared Alexander. And then they get Josh Jackson, another corner in the second round. Now, if you remember, I tweeted at you during the draft. When we did our mock draft on Thursday, I had the Packers taking Josh Jackson at 14. They end up getting him in the second round. So they got two really good corners. They get a linebacker, Owen Burks, in the third, and then they get St. Brown in the sixth. I love what Green Bay did in this draft. Plus, they got a, num- a number one coming. I thought that Green Bay had the best draft in, in the, the this year. I, you're totally right. I mean, they get Jared Zander, who I think was, some could argue, was the top corner. And that, they could argue that Josh Jackson could be the top corner. So, like, they get two legitimate cornerbacks. Not only that, but they it replaces two guys. Obviously, they haven't really been able to pay, replace Sam Shields since he left two years ago, um, who signed in L.A., which will be interesting to see him come back and, and be in that group that's over there. But, no, they add two starting caliber cornerbacks. Plus, they had Desmond King, who really didn't play for them last year. So they've got three legitimate cornerbacks. They've got uh, the safety still in the backfield. There, what's what's his name? He's got a crazy name. Ugh, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I don't have a roster in front of me. Ha ha, Clinton Dix. I yes, know, I, yes. I, oh my god. Ha ha, I, I knew. I knew that it was there was a hyphen in there. I couldn't think of it. Um, but yeah, so the the Packers to me, and and obviously St. Brown late where they got him, I, I love their draft. But yeah, Oren Burks was a good one too because he was one of those guys I thought maybe um, the Bills obviously showed a lot of interest and brought him in pre draft visits and everything else like that. So yeah, they had a great draft. Now, what do you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers? Because a lot of people, me included, thought that Edmonds, the safety in the first round, was a bit of a reach. But then they end up getting James Washington, a, a receiver, and Mason Rudolph. I'm God. I I think this might have been the perfect spot for him to go, all things considered. If he wasn't going to be a first-round guy, which, looking back, he never was going to be. It's quite obvious now. But what a good spot for him to go and learn behind Big Ben. And I also like Jalen Samuels, the running back in the fifth. That dude, it's crazy to me that he lasted to pick 165. He catches the ball. He does it all out of the backfield. I, I kind of like how the Steelers' draft went, maybe outside of the first round. So I like Jalen Samuels a lot. I re- I thought he would be so Ray Ray McLeod is sort of a similar version, maybe a little less size than uh, than you saw of Jalen Samuels, but yeah. I really like Samuels a lot. Other than that, I thought the Steelers absolutely blew an opportunity in this draft. Uh, like Terrell Edmonds was a huge reach in the first round, huge reach. Um, not only that, but they basically are going to be going into the next season with the same defense they, they ended last season with. And that was bad. One of the worst units in the league, obviously no Ryan Shazier. He's not coming back anytime soon. Right. So like, I, I don't know. They, they really missed out on opportunities to make them to put their defense in a better position. Then they draft James Washington, who I like a lot, but again, second round, get it, get yourself a defensive starter, get yourself a linebacker, get yourself a defensive end, get yourself something, um, on the defensive side of the ball. And then they draft. Then they draft Mason Rudolph, who I like and who a lot of people like. The problem is, is Ben Roethlisberger has said he wants to play three more seasons. That means you have one season because he's a, he's a third-round pick. Right. So you're not getting the fifth-year option with him. You're basically getting one year 
to evaluate your third round quarterback to find out if he could be a franchise quarterback. So I don't know. Like I, I, I thought they missed an opportunity to be more aggressive defensively. One more team I want to talk about, and that's Denver. They were gifted Bradley Chubb as far as I'm concerned at five. I'm kind of shocked that it played out that way. I thought if Bradley Chubb was going to go to Denver at five, it would have meant because three quarterbacks went in the top four. Right. Not, not Denzel Ward going to Cleveland at four. I like that pick for them, obviously. Love Cortland Sutton in the second round. Deshaun Hamilton in round four. Shows they're not very happy with their wide receivers, even though they have Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. And then Royce Freeman in the third. He's got a chance to do some good things at running back for them. What did you think of Denver? Like Denver's draft a lot. Obviously, I I like that they they went to receivers. Cortland Sutton's going to be a nice player for them, a Demarius Thomas type. Um, I don't know. I I think Emmanuel Sanders, one of those guys has to be available. You know, because what what they did is they just completely stocked that room. They're not going to be able to keep everybody because they drafted uh, Carlos Henderson last year out of Louisiana Tech. And I wonder if maybe they're just displeased with how he's turned out. So I don't know. The the wide receiver room there got very interesting, but they had a great draft. John Elway put together, like you said, I think he fell right in their lap, Bradley Chubb. So, yeah, I mean, they had a pretty nice draft considering that, you know, they could have likely traded back. Are you surprised that Miami didn't take any quarterback at all during any point of the draft? Um, no, I thought that their interest in a quarterback was way overblown. Um, that the idea that they were going to trade up or I, I thought that was way overblown. I thought it was a smoke screen. I thought it was a smoke screen to get the bills to feel that they had to, to get their quarterback had to move up in front of them. So yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that that was a smoke screen. All along. Last two questions here. What in your mind was the biggest surprise at a draft? Definitely the Saints trading a 2019 first round pick to move up to get Marcus Davenport. There's no doubt. Like that was the biggest surprise to me. And and I think maybe one of the worst decisions of the draft. Last question. And then I'll let you go. So much is going on with sports talk, you know, in sports in general, as it leads up to the draft, you're just so busy between mock drafts and draft experts and free Mm -hmm. agency and all this stuff going on. You know, now that it's all over, how are you decompressing over the next, I don't know, week or two? Well, for me, I mean, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily happen right away because now the job is to go through and really look at all these guys. And, and for me, it, the problem with, with Josh Allen isn't necessarily anything with Josh Allen. It's that he doesn't have a lot of good coaches film. A lot of his film that is, that is available is all broadcasts. You don't really get um, the same type of valuation that you do if, if you watch the broadcast film compared to the coaches film. So like, I would really like to you know, get a really deep dive on in him and, and watch him from, you know, his, his junior and or well his sophomore and, and, and junior season. So I don't know, it, it'll be interesting because I think the work kind of just starts, you know, like looking at who these guys are and, and how they can help the bills. So uh, a little bit of uh, decompression, but really more so digging in with some of the guys that, uh, that are going to be new here for the bills. Nate Gary, WGR 550 in Buffalo. Thanks a lot for your time, Nate. Appreciate you coming on, not just today, but last Thursday as well. It's been a lot of fun. Love picking your brain, talking uh, Buffalo Bills and NFL football with you. Have you back on down the line, if you will. Thanks. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I uh, enjoyed it. And uh, absolutely, whenever you need me, man, I'm, uh, I'm always available. Pat with us. The victor belongs to sports. Why don't you get the fuck out of here before I shove your quotations book up your fat fucking ass? The customer is usually a moron and an asshole. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine, but then...
All right, no gimmicks, no jokes, no small talk this week. Let's get right into it. How did you find out that the Bills were drafting Josh Allen? Were you on Twitter? Were you What were you watching? What were you doing? When did you know about Josh Allen? And right off the bat, what was your initial reaction? Well, I had a little bit of everything going. I had um, I was mostly on the iPad, so I had Twitter on the enlarged screen with ESPN's coverage down in a corner. And for me, I actually my my youngest, who's a, a sports fanatic, called when he saw the Tampa pick switch over to the uh, to the Bills. So he calls, and I lose audio on on ESPN. So now I'm in a conversation with my son and I'm, my fingers just, just pulling down on Twitter, like every three seconds. Cause I'm figuring someone is going to, uh, to, to break it on Twitter. Um, plus I know I'm probably about five seconds behind on, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm on uh, ESPN now, as opposed to watching it live. So it ended up being a, a, a local uh, TV sports guy, Adam Benini from channel two was the refresh that broke it for me. It said, Bills take Allen. And my my exact words to my 14-year-old son, I'm, I'm not as careful as I should be, it was, it's fucking Allen. Because him and I were going, Allen Rosen, Allen Rosen, you know, that he knows enough to be able to have that conversation with me. And those were, those were my exact words. My exact words were, it's fucking Allen. And from there, uh, you know, I knew what it was going to be like on Twitter. I, I, I wanted to see, you know, the breakdown of his film and what, it, what ESPN had to say about it and stuff like that. But man, honestly, it was, it was probably, probably five minutes of just totally going blank. I, I mean, it was just, I was in, I was in a bit of a, a, a daze from the pick, uh, especially with the amount of, momentum that uh uh that Rosen ha- seemed to gain you know throughout the day in, in Bill's circles and stuff like that you know uh, Joe B had it uh in his final mock that it was Rosen so I I thought I thought the trade up was going to be for Rosen and uh it was like a punch to the nuts hearing that it was Allen that was the initial reaction what's uh, how, how'd you how'd it go down for you well I wasn't surprised at all Benjamin Albright among others, has been saying Josh Allen from day, pretty much from day one. He said on the podcast that the Bills were aggressively pursuing a trade with Josh Allen. He said that on the air, I talked to him off the air, and he pretty much reiterated the same thing to me. Mel Kuyper had the guy going number one on the board to Cleveland all the way up until 24 hours before the draft. In terms of how I found out, I didn't want to get, I didn't want to have it spoiled. I watched the NFL Network. And I did know that the Bills uh, moved up to Tampa Bay spot, which we'll talk about that in a few minutes. I didn't check Twitter. I stayed away from it. I didn't want to know. I wanted to be surprised. Did I want Allen or did I want Rosen? Eh, I don't know, man. I, I probably wanted Josh Allen. I know I'm in the minority. Trust me. I am in the minority when I say that. I never truly bought the whole jo- Josh Rosen thing. The fan reaction. Oh, my God. I mean, it was something like I i didn't expect the reaction to be as bad as it was. Now, when the Bills did draft Allen, were you, did you stay on Twitter afterwards? Did you gauge the reaction from the fans? Yeah, uh, you were, to be honest with you, you, you were the first person I thought of. When you, you know, had said in the weeks leading up that, 
you thought that would be that's the the pick you didn't want primarily because you're up to here with um you know with this fan base going at each other for different topics and boy it uh it may have never been worse than it was um in the 24 hours that that followed that pick so yeah, I was on I was on Twitter. I stayed with it. I wanted to see what people's reactions were and things like that. And um it was probably some of the least fun hours that I've ever spent as a fan of of any sport, really. It's it it just wasn't it took a lot of the fun out of it, man. It it really did. It was nasty. It it was, you know, it was nasty. It was beyond my expectation of terrible. We've talked about this on the podcast. It's never that I didn't want Josh Allen to play as much as I openly said I didn't want the Bills to draft Josh Allen just because of all the negative talk about him, whether it was fans or a lot of these so-called NFL uh, analysts and insiders and stuff like that. And I'll tell you what, man. I'm in my mid-40s. been a Bills fan as long as I can remember, a Buffalo sports fan for as long as I can remember, We heard a lot of shit recently when the Buffalo Sabres had Arizona come to town and it brought back a lot of memories from about three years ago. I think it was three years ago when the Sabres were flat out tanking and in that building when Arizona would score a goal, the crowd would erupt and a lot of people in the media said to them that was the most disgraceful, embarrassing moment that they could ever remember being a Buffalo sports fan or or just covering a team from that capacity. I don't know if this is quite on par with that, but it's not far behind. I thought it was disgraceful how everyone shit, not everyone, but a lot of people shit all over this pick. Give the guy a chance. That's kind of my attitude right now. I went on Twitter. It's awful. I went on Facebook. Guys that I've known for 20 years who don't know fucking five, haven't watched five minutes worth of Josh Allen film in their life. Don't know nothing about him. Shit all over him. That's probably what's angered me the most about this entire thing. And of course, and I'm going to ask you about this next, the tweets that came out, you know, 24 hours before, whether they were held on to and released intentionally the day before, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll probably never know that. The tweets definitely didn't help, but let's get this out of the way. It was more than the tweets. Nobody wanted Josh Allen to get drafted before that. Well, first things first, okay. I'm in my mid 40s. You're about to turn the corner into your late 40s. All right. So let's just let's be clear on that. Um, The tweets did not bother me as much as it bothered some. And the tweets, interestingly enough, okay, seemed to gain some momentum in his in his corner, not because that people were, you know, are supportive or condoned the behavior. But if you listened to, and I know you don't listen to it as much as I do, but the, you know, you got a lot of reaction and had a lot of uh, opinions on it, you know, uh, from Twitter and the, you know, how many people were against uh, the pick and things like that over on the, on the radio side, Okay, all of a sudden, because of these tweets and a little bit of negativity towards the pick based around these tweets were 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 being expressed on GR, people then started to take Allen's back and attack 
you know, the people, uh, you know, the hosts of GR because they dare find issue with these tweets. So I don't know if you know that that was happening, that there be, there, there became this, this support group for Allen, um, that didn't really exist before, you know, based upon performance or anything like that, but they couldn't stand the fact that, you know, that people were bringing this up. They thought too much was being made out of it. Let me tell you something, man. Okay. And I, I mean this firmly. Okay. Thank God those tweets didn't come out until they did. Because if those tweets come out, okay, about a half, uh, 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 about a month or, or so before this draft, this fucking debate becomes political and it becomes even worse, okay, leading up to it than it already was. So, you know, those, those tweets were insensitive. They hit a lot of people the wrong way, understandably so. They hit some teammates the wrong way, but this kid will overcome them. He handled it terrifically. Okay, and I don't think in my very little experience in in uh, in watching him in front of a microphone and in front of a camera, I don't think those tweets are indicative of the kind of person that this kid is. For me, non-issue. I agree with you regarding the tweets. I'm not condoning him. I don't blame people for being skeptical. I don't blame certain Black players certainly, you know, for, for for having their guard up and saying, yo, this kid better prove himself. He does have a lot to prove. He's saying the right things. But, you know, it was an immaturity thing. And now this he has to prove that he's mature. That's off the field stuff. Here's what I'm interested in on the field stuff. Because what makes, here's my thing. Why is Josh Rosen so great in the eyes of Buffalo Bills fans? They, first of all, they were not getting Baker Mayfield, and they were not getting Sam Darnold. Mayfield went one. They couldn't get to one. And all reports say that the Bills didn't even end up, despite all this bullshit, the Bills have an agreement in place with the Giants. No, they didn't. They didn't even make an offer. The Giants took Barkley. They were never not going to take Barkley. And that let Darnold fall to the Jets, who were not trading out, obviously, because they traded in the net spot in case something like this happened. So the Bills were never going to get Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold, despite all the pre-draft talk. Now it comes down to Josh Allen or Josh Rosen. What is so great about Josh Rosen that fans are losing their fucking mind that we didn't draft the guy? If he's so great, why didn't a team hop up to four where Cleveland picked or hop up into five where Denver did or offer them more than the Bills did at seven to get Josh Allen? That's my question. I want to know why fans are so high on almighty Josh Rosen. And I like the kid, don't get me wrong, but he has a lot of flaws to him. I would dare say as many flaws and red flags as Josh Allen does. It really kind of pisses me off, to be honest with you, that so many fans blindly want Josh Rosen and because they didn't get him, they're going to shit on Josh Allen. Three key words come to mind when you ask that, ask, if you pose that question to me, what do I think fans like the most and and I know you uh you kind of shot this down in, in a previous podcast by referencing Nate Peterman as uh as being referred to as this but I, I think everybody knew that you know referring to a fifth round quarterback as this and referring to a fourth uh, a first round quarterback as this uh are, are two different analogies and that is most NFL ready okay 
Rosen, the entire time, Rosen seemed to have that tag as the most NFL ready, a plug and play guy, a rarity for a rookie quarterback. And nobody wants to wait to see their new toy. Nobody, nobody wants to wait a year to see their new toy. We get enough of that in hockey. Not this year, though. I'm sure we'll be getting to it. Not this year, though. But in, in the case of, of Rosen and Allen, people knew Allen needed a lot of work. And people knew that, you know, Rosen um, was was ready to roll. And, and Rosen became a favorite. And, and I, think, I think Rosen's, um, you know, personality suited some people, too. So, you know, I, I mean, he became the darling. He became the darling. I don't know. He became the darling in the toy who's had two concussions. You know, he's already had two concussions. He has shoulder issues. He has no mobility. He rubs a lot of people the wrong way. His college coach, Jim Orr Jr., I remember him saying, I think it was on NFL Network, and maybe it was, you know, a ploy to get him up or something in the draft. He said he would take Darnold first. How does your ex-coach say that he wouldn't take you ahead of any other quarterback? He's cha- He challenges coaching, man. And I don't see that as something that Sean McDermott would have been comfortable with at all. And I don't know. Let's let's go here now. Do you think Terry Bagula had anything to do with A, Josh Allen being picked and B, Josh Rosen not being picked? And I want your real take because I don't want political correct tone pucks on this podcast. If you're heated at the Pagula, and I know for a fact I've seen it, you've called him the worst owner in sports right now. Say that shit, man. <laughs> what involvement do you, seriously, man, what, what involvement do you think he had in this process? Do you think he had anything to do with the final say of which quarterback they ended up taking? And what's your problem with him as an owner of this football team right now? Because I personally agree with you. So I want to hear it from your mouth. Well, look, man, all right. You know, politically incorrect tone pups is usually a product of a knee jerk reaction. And well, good. That's fine. And my knee jerk reaction when I heard Chris Mortensen, or I didn't hear it directly, but I heard it, it being talked about that Pagula was in love with Allen's arm. You know, I, I thought that, that he was very involved in this and he's always, you know, I've always had an issue with Pagula for how poorly spoken he is, some of his bad decisions in, in upper management and stuff like that. And I kind and I kind of let the, it go ahead. What what was the quote? The the quote was Pagula especially infatuated. And at the time you said this, and I'm going to quote it: "This guy is the worst fucking owner in the history of major sports." All right, no, all right. Need need reaction let me, aside. Let me let me just say this though. All right, and it's not to get off the beaten path, but I find Terry Pagula to be a terrible owner and spokesperson for this city's franchises, okay, much more on the basis of the quotes that he had in the, uh, you know, in the meetings with with players and owners regarding the kneeling and the anthem and all that stuff than I do with any involvement he may have had in the Allen pick. Bottom line is despite, you know, my over-the-top reaction to it, okay, I do believe that Brandon Bean has the balls to simply deflect some of uh, his boss's, you know, infatuation with a player, sit down with them, you know, look across from the table and say, 
I love his arm too, man. But, you know, here's why we've got to do this and this instead. And I do believe that, you know, that, that Pagula would allow that to happen. I don't think Pagula's infatuation with Allen's arm or anything else had any more to do than possibly just a another voice in in you know in favor of Allen than the voice you know that that prompted them to take him. So your conclusion is that while Pagula might have had a recommendation or not so much a recommendation, offered his opinion on what the Bills should do, you think to to Pagula's credit that he ultimately said, Brandon being a decision jurors, you're making this call, not me. I'm supremely confident saying that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Fair enough. That's fair enough. It's funny. You know, but it, don't look, not, it does not make him a good, like that's a good quality as an owner. Okay. But boy, oh boy, you know, and we could get into this another time when, when there isn't, you know, uh, on field stuff to talk about, you know, this guy needs to, uh, needs to zip it, uh, you know, more more often than he does. You know, Mike Harrington wants to hear from him more. If I'm if I'm if I have anything to do with Pagola Sports and Entertainment, you'd be hearing from him less because, boy, some of the stuff that came out from that uh, from that uh, meeting regarding the protests, you just gotta wonder what the what the fuck he's talking about half the time. I agree. Listen, Arizona ended up getting Josh Rosen significantly cheaper than Buffalo paid for Josh Allen. I think to some extent, that's the problem with fans. However, I don't want to use that as an excuse because, dude, the card... Roger Goodell didn't even finish pronouncing Josh Allen's last name before people were booing that shit. I saw a video reaction of it. So long before it was, Arizona traded up for Rosen, they are already booing Josh Allen. So I don't want to put too much on that. But like I said, Arizona gave up far less. Here's the deal. Just imagine if Cleveland doesn't take Denzel Ward at four, that means Bradley Chubb does not fall to Denver. If that happens, and if the Browns take Chubb like everyone thought they were going to, Adam Schefter reported that the Bills had a deal in place with Denver where they would give up 12, 22, and 53 for five and like a fifth round pick or something like that. It fell apart only because Chubb was there on the board. If the fans think they paid too much now, imagine had Cleveland not taken Ward, they would have been losing their goddamn minds because now all of a sudden we don't have pick 22. Well, I think that's what everybody expected to happen. You know, I mean, I, I don't know that it, that people would have been that much more critical. I, I, shit, I can't imagine how people could have been that much more critical than they were. The expectation was always that we would lose uh, 22. And I just, I don't think it would have changed much, but in light of being able to, to, to keep it and, you know, the alternative, if we would have known that, you know, that there was an alternative, you know, where we could have kept it with Tampa and we lost it with Denver, then sure, you know, the, the fans would have been that much more upset with it. But I don't think, uh, you know, I know I'm not, I, I don't think anybody's really piecing that together enough to, um, you know, to get extra pissed about about the pick. Well, let me tell you this, and this is what has me the most heated about fans shitting on the pick, and for, to some extent, kind of shitting on Brandon Bean because ultimately he made the pick. The Buffalo Bills, listen, they moved up once. No, not once. They moved up twice in the first round 
got two guys in the top half of the first round and did not give up one single 2019 pick. Not one. They moved up twice in the first round without giving up any picks for next year. Conversely, the New Orleans Saints moved up from 18 to 14 and gave up a 2019 first next year. I thought the way Brandon Bean has handled this last year, making trading veterans out that he thought would give them the ammunition, which ultimately he did to do what he did Thursday night. I thought it was absolutely fucking brilliant for him to be able to move up this draft board twice without giving up anything for next year. Bro, that's a great point. (laughs) All right. He took two first round draft picks from playoff teams. Okay. As lame of playoff teams as they were, but he took his own and the Kansas city chiefs draft picks two playoff teams and spun them into two picks in the top half of the first round and still ended up with a fairly normal draft after that. You know, if you just kind of slot, uh, you know, the three into place or use Edmonds as the two, whatever, you know, whatever. He still ended up with a, a, a normal weekend's draft haul, you know, uh, after the trades, it, if you loved the quarterback, if we, you know, as a fan base, loved the quarterback, we'd be looking at the job that Bean did and praising it as good as anything we've seen, you know, in, in our franchise's histories. But we don't like the quarterback that uh, that he took, so we're simply not looking at that part of it. But the guy had a plan from day one. He worked it to near perfection. And now his uh, uh, his coach has to go out and execute it, man. And and I, I think this is where the fun begins. I I hope there's still some fun to have with this. You know what I mean? I mean we we have an extremely polarizing player now. You know to follow, even if he doesn't, you know, get on the field for live bullets this year. You know it, it makes mini camps, training camp, preseason games that much more fun. Because this guy's skill sets are off the charts. I mean, they're just off the charts. And I, for one, plan to have a whole lot of fun watching this dude. <laughs> even, yeah, if, even, if he, even if he implodes, man, you know, and do it with flair, baby, you know? Sure. He, I mean, he might end up being Kyle Bowler. He may end up being Ryan Mallett. I get all that. It's a risk. And one more thing. I don't know this for a fact, but... I'd be willing to bet that Arizona, even though they took Josh Rosen, I'd be willing to bet that they were in on that seventh pick. I'd be willing to bet. I think the Bills just went higher than they did. Absolutely. Ben Albright again. He was on the show a few weeks ago, two weeks ago. He told me on the show, he said Arizona would have taken Josh Allen in the first round last year. So before dismissing that, Ben said flat out the Bills were aggressively pursuing a trade for Josh Allen a few weeks ago, and he nailed that shit. So let's not go jumping on, you know, Arizona got the guy they wanted all along. No, I would be willing to bet that Allen was third on their quarterback board, just like most of these teams. You, so I'm tired of hearing about Arizona got such a great deal. They got such a great deal, but they got a great deal on a guy that they probably wanted less than Josh Allen. I agree. I, I mean, you cannot gauge the price that the Bills paid without knowing what price Arizona was willing to offer. And even if, you know, maybe Arizona was going to dangle their one next year. And, you know, Tampa was like, look, you know, 
it's it's three picks later that you know the their their one this year is three picks later than the Bills, and the Bills you know give them two twos. I, I don't know what the chart would say. I don't know. I don't know if the Bills offer would be two ones. Do you think? Do you think so? Do you think Arizona? If Arizona offered two ones, you know they're 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 picked this right. year and next year. Does the Bills offer beat it? A one and two twos. Their current offer would have. Would they have went higher? No, I mean, does, um, their, does their current offer? Oh. I'm just saying, I, you know. I, it, oh, no. If Arizona were to offer two ones, no, I don't think so. Because the Bills, I, I think the Bills would have had to give up 22 for sure. They, they would have got to keep 22 if Arizona would have went with a one next year. They probably would have had to give up 12, 22, yeah, yeah. and 53 for sure. Maybe 56 too, but definitely 12, 22, and 53. That's for certain. Which they were willing to pay that, according to Adam Schefter, again. That was the price they were going to pay Denver. That only fell apart because, thank God, Cleveland took Denzel Ward and, and Chubb just fell into their laps. Otherwise, again, this would be a completely different conversation. One last thing here about Josh Allen. It was unmistakable to me, at least anyway, on Twitter. He kind of got the cold shoulder, in my opinion, from fans, which we already know about that. But it was unmistakable to me that Hall of Famers like Andre Reid and Thurman Thomas immediately were on Twitter welcoming the kid to Buffalo while current team leaders like Shady and Jerry Hughes and Lorenzo Alexander, all who are on Twitter during that time period, by the way, crickets. What do you have a thought on that? Or do you think this team, I mean, we did discuss, you know, the alleged, not alleged, the immature, stupid borderline racist tweets that Josh Allen had when he was 15, 16 years old. Obviously that had an effect on some of these guys, you a little taken back to all that nobody really went on Twitter, except for his teammate, Eddie Yarbrough, t- to welcome him. Well, I'll take it a step further, man, because Alexander welcomed Edmonds and not yep. and not Allen. So, yep. um, look, you know, I read somewhere, uh, somewhere credible, that, that McDermott contacted his leadership council about uh, Allen's tweets during the course of the, uh, of the day on Friday. And I, I would imagine as part of that, you know, they made the decision that, uh, that he is going to have to, you know, address it, that he is going to have to, you know, win them over a little bit. And I think that's all part of the, uh, you know, the, the lack of a, of a public, you know, welcoming, but I, I don't foresee it lingering. I don't think it was a sign uh, of, you know, a, a group of guys in there that are going to make life extremely difficult uh, on him as long as he, you know, as, lo- as long as he proves that that's, you know, that it, that's just not who he is. And I think he has already begun to, to do that. And I agree with you. I think they're going to give him an opportunity. I certainly hope so. And to his credit, I really like Josh Allen's press conference. He said he's not above or afraid to to talk to the room about it and address it in that locker room. I think that'll go a long way. And here's another thing, too, that maybe, and I'll get your thought on this, because people don't talk about this, maybe a reason why some veteran players aren't exactly thrilled about Josh Allen is because it's very likely that this guy ain't going to fucking play this year. He's probably going to learn as a rookie. Now, I know he's going to have a chance at competition and blah, 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 blah. Listen, unless A.J. McCarron completely sucks or gets hurt, Josh Allen is sitting the bench this year, which I think he should for the record. 
But as a veteran player, you just made the playoffs last year. You're trying to make a push to be a championship team. Probably the last thing you want to see your team do, if you're a guy like Jerry Hughes or Shady, where this might be your last year as a Buffalo Bill, probably the last thing you want to do are trade assets, trade starters for a guy for a guy who's probably not even going to play this year. You probably want a linebacker or a guard or a tackle or a wide receiver as a veteran with that pick. You know what I'm saying? You've brought that up before, and in most cases, I uh, I would agree. But in this particular case, I mean, you've got to be so out of touch with your workplace to not know that this was what your employer had in mind <laughs> to to do to uh, you know to do very to do true. To your room. Don't, so you're I don't mean, mean don't mean you like it though. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But it, you know it. You know it's coming. You you if you didn't know this was coming as a player on the Buffalo Bills, then you're just cashing a fucking paycheck, man, because you're just not paying any attention. I guess the point that to really hammer home is some of these guys aren't thinking three, four years down the road. Josh wrote, Josh, now see, I'm saying Rosen, Jesus Christ here. Josh Allen might turn out to be Big Ben three years from now. He might lead the Bills to an AFC championship game every year, but that's three, four years from now. You're Jerry Hughes. You've got a $10 million cap hit now, and I don't even know what it was the following year. You're probably gone. You want to make a run at the Super Bowl right now. So as a leader on this team, you're probably, even if you know it's coming, you ain't thrilled to be having a quarterback who's probably not even going to play this year. Maybe not, but, you know, I mean, that, that's uh, that's why you're uh, the employee. Quickly, we're talking about the future with Josh Allen. The, the other pick they made in the first round, that's about the present. They moved up to 16. They get Tremaine Edmonds, a guy that every single board that I looked at in every mock draft I saw, this guy was going anywhere from 4 to 10 or 11. No way he was going to get past Miami. I was stunned that he was there at 16. Every talk is about quarterback, and I understand that. But linebacker was as much of a need on this team, maybe more so, at least for now, than quarterback. And they went out and they got probably, not probably, everyone considering him the second best linebacker in his class behind Roquan Smith. That, to me... They got the quarterback of their defense, and that's huge. Absolutely, man. Hey, real quick on him, though. Did you uh, – it looks like he's going to rock his college number uh, in the yeah. NFL. What do, you, what do you think about seeing a number 49 uh, in, a, Honestly, in, a, in, a, in a pivotal role in a, you know, as a starting linebacker, not a fucking sixth you know, guy on your, on, your, on your roster chasing down punts? As a nerd, I hate it. And as a guy, I, you know, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I didn't even know you could have the number 40s as a linebacker. I thought if you were a linebacker, you had to be in the 50s. Obviously, I'm wrong. They only, they switched it up like just within the last like two or three years or so. Like you can, like, I think Sammy, I think Sammy could have worn two if he wanted to. It may not apply to, you know, to single digits, but um, yeah, they, they switched it up for, for, for backers. I think, uh, oh man, the, the, the pass rusher in um, uh, in Atlanta. Atlanta has an outside linebacker, uh, you know, rocking forty eight or something like that. So forty five. I can't remember his name now. Yeah, yeah. He was Tyrod. He he shadowed Tyrod. I can't. His name's escaping me, gotcha. but I remember the game and he was shadowing him. 
So you got Tremaine Edmonds, a guy who's going to start. And the other pick that I really like, and I hated it at first, I talked about this earlier with Nate Gary, is Teron Johnson hated the pick at first in the fourth round because I really wanted wide receiver or offensive line there. But then I started thinking about it. I'm like, listen, this is a team, and I read the stat, that they play nickel defense almost two-thirds of the game. So you got two linebackers on the field, and you got five DBs on the field. Edmonds and Milano are going to be your two linebackers when they're in that defense. That's pretty obvious. Teron Johnson can come in and he'll compete with Phillip Gaines, and he probably could win that slot nickel spot. Now, the average fan thinks the word uh, nickel corner. They don't think starter. But you know what? In today's NFL, if you're a slot corner, you're a fucking starter. So in that fourth round, they got a potential pretty decent starter in Teron Johnson. Um, I agree. I'm, I'm trying to think of, of uh, something from, from last year to, to reference. Uh, as good as... Now, Philip Gaines is who we have this year. Who was the Gaines we yeah, just lost? Yeah, we got Michael, him from Kansas City. Michael Gaines? Was it Michael Gaines? We lost EJ. EJ, EJ Gaines, Gaines that's Cleveland. right. Hey, went I to think Cleveland. Michael Gaines was, a, was an old uh, tight end or something. Uh, the point that I was going to make was, as good as EJ Gaines was at times, I think you could make the argument that Leonard Johnson was just as valuable um, to that secondary, or at least to that cornerback, uh, position as Gaines was last year. He was as sure of a tackler from the cornerback position, um, you know, that, that I can remember seeing um, in a long time. And I, from what I've read up on, on um, Teron Johnson, he's got very, very similar skill sets as Leonard Johnson did. He does. Um, yep. But, you know, I mean, he's, about 10 years younger and, and, and we've got control of them now for four years. So they get Harrison Phillips again, uh defensive tackle in the third round, like that pick. Cause the depth on the defensive line or defensive tackle spot is shit at this point. Plus I don't think Adelphus Washington is going to be long for this team. I really like that second fifth round pick with Wyatt Teller. I think the guy's got a chance to come in and play guard right away. Not sold on Groy. I know this regime is not sold on John Miller. They proved that last year couple of receivers at the tail end of the draft. Not really at this point much we're talking about. Maybe one of them will surprise us. All in all, I like the draft. It was a heavy emphasis towards defense. That's unmistakable. The one offensive contributor that was even semi-early in the draft is a guy that pretty much no one expects to do anything this year. It was very obvious that, to me anyway, being in McDermott or cloning that Carolina team, that model, they really want to have a good defense be able to run the ball better and, you know, develop the quarterback like they did with Cam Newton in, in Carolina. I think that's where they're going. Let's wrap up with this. Now the draft's over. You know what this team has and you know what they still need. How are you feeling about this roster going forward with the draft being completely done? I like its I like its depth. I, I, I really do. I, I don't hate certain positions as much as... Uh, as much as other people do, I, I don't, you know, I mean, right now our, our, our receiving group is a former very high first rounder and a big target, uh, a, yeah. a second rounder who I thought showed glimpses and appears to be getting a second chance after, you know, um, his offseason issues. Uh, so I, I just don't, I just don't hate some of the positions that 
other people hate. The same is true on the offensive line, you know, where I believe that, that uh, you know, Dukas, you know, showed pretty well last year. Uh, I think that Newhouse and Bodine have both been starters in this league, and, and, and I think that kind of thing matters. And I think we're building a defense that, honestly, man, might damn there be lights out, okay? I mean, this defense might be lights out. The biggest name to to dictate this uh, this this the success of this upcoming season is Brian Dayball. Okay, his cupboards are a little bare. Okay, and not a lot of continuity over there. He's new, you know. His number one receivers uh, had a uh, you know a cup of coffee last year. His quarterbacks new. There's a lot of new parts on that side of the ball. And he's also going to have, you know, going to be paying a lot of attention to the future of, uh, of that side of the ball. He's got a big freaking haul in front of him, you know, in the coming, in the coming months. And Brian Dayball is the, uh, is the key to, to this upcoming season. I, I, I think the roster could do the same thing that it did last year in the same fashion that it did last year. If, if they can get some competent uh, offense going. And that's going to be up to Dayball. It bothers me that people are assuming that this team's going to take a step back from last year. I don't necessarily buy it. I think the defense is unmistakably better than it was last year. Getting Star Latay on the defensive line, going out and signing Trent Murphy, that defensive, and drafting Phillips, he's going to help. He's going to play this year. You know, they, they rotate their guys in and out a lot. That defensive line's a lot better I think Edmonds is far more talented than Preston Brown was. I don't care if he's 19 years old and he's raw. He's got a lot to learn. But I think from day one, he's just more talented than Preston Brown. He's going to improve the defense. I love Milano in year two. And I love this secondary. The only problem with my team, this team right now, is I think the offensive line, I disagree with you. I think the offensive line, for the most part, is fucking trash. I really do. I think this offensive line might be one of the worst in the NFL Part of the reason why I think Wyatt Teller might end up starting as a fifth-round rookie It's kind of why I was not happy about Saran Neal, but not because he's a safety and, and they don't need that help, because they do. They need help everywhere, at least depth-wise. I think they should have taken another center or tackle. I just think the offensive line is trash. I don't like Bodine at all. I don't like Newhouse at all. I know some people like Takasi, not sold on him. If Groy was so great, why didn't he play last year with injuries more? I don't like Jordan Mills. This offensive line is terrible. And I think a lot of I think a lot of fans, listen to me, man. I think a lot of fucking fans, I think a lot of fans are gonna realize just how much shit Tyrod Taylor got him out of last year with his legs. You get a mobile guy back or an immobile guy back there, you know, AJ McCarron can move a little bit, but he ain't no fucking Tyrod Taylor. He's gonna get and by the way, that's another reason sit Josh Allen this year. Sit his ass. Let him learn. Let A.J. McCarron get his brains beat in behind this shit offensive line every week. Make offensive line your top priority next offseason, and then you're looking at a much better team. God, I just went off on that line. I hate that line, dude. I think it's fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, you might be right, man. You, you know, you're. I, I, I think people think more people agree with you than uh, than than they would with me. It's. I just. I. I <laughs> I think we've got a lot of numbers there. All right, I think we've Who got cares? a lot of a, a lot of guys, and we just got a find lot of the right shit. Five. I'll, I'll give you the offensive line right now. I'm gonna give you the let's. 
I'll give you the nine real quick. All right. Our our interior is going to be Bodine, Ducasse, Groy, Teller, and um, and Miller. All right. So there there's five. And one probably gets cut out of that. Uh, Newhouse. Hey, I think Newhouse can can is a swing guy. I think he can play some guard too. So you got Newhouse, Mills, Dawkins. And uh, don't sleep on, uh, you know, practice squatter uh, Billy McDermott from last year. I have no idea what his Jesus. fucking first name is. Yeah, all right. But look. You I, just there's... named a bunch of guys <laughs> that all suck. Seriously, Dawkins has, Deion Dawkins has potential. I don't want to talk about Wyatt Teller yet because we don't know how he's going to play. He's a guy. He could be good. Oh, Dukakis is tolerable at times. The rest of those guys fucking suck. Yeah. But you know what? Before we get out of here. What did you do? Saturday? We're taping this Sunday night, Saturday night, NHL draft lottery. Holy shit. That was unexpected. I never for a, in a million years thought the Sabres were going to win the draft lottery. Did you actually see it? No, I was, uh, I was busting down, busting down a stage, just flipping through Twitter. It wasn't even, it wasn't even a local, uh, wasn't even a, a, a local uh, media person or anything. I, I saw a kid named uh, Frank and Tori. One of uh, one of one of the little Foglia's friends that's on Twitter. I saw Frank and Tori tweet jackpot, and that's how I found out that uh, Dolan would would be a saber. Thirty seconds, quick reaction on on getting. Listen, it's Dolan. I don't want to hear any. Even the idiot fans. I saw a couple people on Twitter saying we should trade down and get and acquire more assets. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Thirty seconds, give me your reaction. We're getting Dolan. I had no idea that he was this generational uh, potential, potentially generational defenseman. Okay. I, I knew he was the consensus, if not the obvious first rounder or a first overall pick, but I had no idea just how hyped um, this kid was. So this is all brand new to me. Okay. I, I not only did, I mean, did I not think we were getting it? I didn't pay any attention to who any of these kids were because I didn't think we were getting it. So I can't give you a shit other than the fact that everybody else seems pretty, pretty damn excited. And I am in the early stages of, uh, of reading up on him. And it seems like he's, I mean, my guy, is it too much to say that he's, you know, a, a, a McDavid like prospect for defensemen? Is that, is that, too much? It's not too much to say. I that's I mean, what that I what read. It is? What the fuck? This is that's great. what they're saying. They I've I've read that he's the best defensive prospect since Dennis Potvin in nineteen seventy-three. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He's single handedly, and again, we'll have a conversation about this. We'll deep dive into it and in another future pad with Pucks, but he has single handedly got me enthusiastic about watching the Sabres again. You know what my attitude's been towards in this season. So for me to say I'm kind of pumped. I'm jumping back on that train. One guy, one lottery ball did that for me. So I'm pretty pumped. Yo, we needed it. They needed it. All right. This hockey fan base needed it because it was ugly. That team, <laughs> yo, man, just just going back to the beginning of our conversation about my feelings of Terry Pagula. 
All right. I basically said that he's walked the, the same path as the Beverly Hillbillies, but without being an actual hillbilly. To me, Terry <laughs> Pagula is 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 a guy who struck oil, and all of a sudden he is who he is. And now, just as his his you know his first love, his first franchise was about to go into the absolute shitter. All right, and with their fan base and everything else you could possibly imagine. The guy strikes oil again. He's the luckiest. I don't know if he's the worst owner in sports, but he might be one of the fucking luckiest after last night. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you again soon. Any parting words? No, that's it. I'll leave it with the Pagola, with the Pagola parting words. All right. That's it for today's episode. I want to thank Nate Gary from WGR 550 in Buffalo for coming on and recapping the NFL draft, both from a Buffalo Bills and from a league-wide perspective. I also want to thank Tone Pucks for coming on and doing our weekly Monday Hat with Pucks chat. Pretty spirited talk today. Coming up on Thursday's show, I have Matt Fairborn from NewYorkUpstate.com, Buffalo Bills reporter and co-host, along with Joe Viscagli of one of the best podcasts you're going to find anywhere, the Bills Beat Podcast. Looking forward to talking to Matt on Thursday about that and many other things. Make sure you go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to this podcast. If you want to leave a five-star review, that's fine too, but I really don't care about that. Just care that you subscribe. You can also follow me on Twitter at Tweets. As always, thanks again for listening. Hope you guys have a great week. Talk to you Thursday.